0: This is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C., and welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week, we read Parsha Re'eh, and we're actually not going to talk about Moshe's anxiety this week, um, but something that is pretty different. And so Moshe opens the Parsha with rules for what happens when you arrive at the land of Israel. And the first rule, you have to tear down all of the altars and everything that the other nations have. You can't leave any of this up. You have to only worship God and sort of eliminate all of the signs of the worship of the previous peoples there and build your own. And then Moshe starts to transition to talking about sacrifices. So we're going to be talking about the verses in chapter 12, starting with about verse 13 or so. And so Moshe says, okay, be careful not to offer your sacrifices in any place that you want. But God is going to tell you where in your territory you can offer sacrifices, and that's where you will offer them. And so what this is first is establishing is that sacrifices are not something that can just happen anywhere in the land of Israel, but rather only in specific spot de- designated by God. And then um, Moshe continues, but when you want to, you can eat meat, but references animals like the gazelle and the deer these are animals that are not offered as part of sacrifices but don't eat the blood and this is something that we see a lot throughout the torah you may not eat the blood the blood is the nefesh and it's considered something that you absolutely cannot eat and of course we know that that's relevant today and that kosher meat has to be extra carefully cleaned in order to remove blood from it And so that is where, that's the second element of what we talk about, right? So you can offer things anywhere you want to, you can eat the animals that are not designated for sacrifices wherever you want, but you may not eat the blood. And then we get to starting with like verse 20 or so, that um, Moshe continues when Hashem enlarges your territory and you wanna eat some meat, You can eat meat when you want to. And if the place where God has chosen to establish God's name, shemo sham, meaning in this case, the temple, if that's really far from you, okay, then you can slaughter from your animals, the kind, the, the cattle and sheep, the ones that are designated for the temple, then you can slaughter them, that's okay. And you don't have to be pure in a state of purity like you would in order to go into the temple. You can eat it whenever you want. But once again, make sure not to eat the blood. Now, so the question is, okay, what exactly, what systems is this offering? And what... Sort of what khiddish, what insight, what is this actually telling us? And I, I wanted to review this today because I think it's it's important to understand the development of the consumption of non-sacrificial meat in the Torah, um, because I think it's something you know we certainly don't really think about it today because we just think about the end game, which is how we live our lives today and how we consume um, animals today. But I wanted to to take a step back and to appreciate exactly what is going on here. And this is a, a parallel process that is explored in, the, in a Midrash, um, Sifrei and Devarim, Parashat a 75. So it seems like, what is the purpose of these verses? And it seems to be establishing that there really is a pattern of a development of, an ev- or maybe perhaps you could say an evolution of animal consumption in the Torah. Right? We know that beginning, way back in the beginning of Brashit, everyone is vegetarian. God only gave us the trees to eat. Um, then after Noah, meat was permitted, but now only in, in um, very specific ways. And now, of course, Vayikra, Leviticus, goes through all the laws of the sacrifices, and a lot of that is consumed, but it's limited to sacrifices, right? It's limited to animals that are offered to God, at the tabernacle through a specific holy process, and we don't really actually see addressed the idea of eating meat for the sake of eating meat. So, if we a lot of this is connected back to what we see, like I said, in Vayikra, um, certainly in chapter 17, which makes it pretty clear to us that at this time, before what's happening in our parsha this week. Any animal that was eligible for sacrifice, right, the cattle, sheep, etc., you, if you wanted to eat them, the only way to do so was to bring it as an offering at the tabernacle. That was the only way to consume that meat you couldn't just slaughter an animal yes you could slaughter an animal that was not of one of the that was a kosher animal but not one of the kinds that um you had, could offer as a sacrifice as we saw like the deer or the gazelle etc but if it was an animal that was um offered as a sacrifice could be offered as a sacrifice the only way to eat it was to bring it to the tabernacle to offer it as a voluntary offering and then you could eat the meat and what it, we're introducing here then is a new form of meat consumption because what of course we're acknowledging is that Devarm is speaking to a nation on the eve of entering the land of Israel and so we have to acknowledge that the way that they're going to be living in the land of Israel is going to be different than how they've been living in the desert and one of those ways that it's going to be different is you're not going to have clusters of people all surrounding you know, all surrounding a tabernacle, a central place of worship of God, a central location of sacrifices. The whole point of entering the land of Israel is that you're going to be spreading out, right? You're going to be conquering territory. And as they conquer more territory, they're going to be spreading out through the land, which in fact is how we introduce verse 20 in our chapter today. <speaking> Right when God is going to expand your your boundaries, right you're going to be expanding your territory, and then what's going to happen? You're going to want to, you're going to say, mm, you know what? I would like to eat some meat. It's because not because you necessarily want to offer a sacrifice, but because you're craving meat right? This is a craving that many people, certainly not me, but many people have. And so what the Torah here is saying is, okay, you're going to want to eat meat. We know it's going to be completely impractical for you to schlep to Jerusalem every time you want a steak, right? Imagine how far you could be living. You want a steak and you what you're going to take, you know, you're going to schlep to Jerusalem and get the animal and slaughter it and then schlep it back. I mean, it's totally impractical. And so what the Torah here is introducing is the very concept. Of wanting to eat meat and eating it in a way that is disconnected from the worship of God, from offering it as a sacrifice. Until now, if you wanted a steak, okay, so you brought it to the Mishkan, you brought it to the tabernacle, you offered it as a an offering to God, and you got to eat some of it. But this is saying, mm, that system's not gonna work anymore. You're gonna be spread out all over. We need a new system, and that system is that yeah, if you want to eat meat, sure, okay, you can eat meat. And you can slaughter it with that through the context of offering it as a sacrifice. Because the only other solution would be to build altars all over the country, like satellite locations from the Meat Dash, where you could come and offer your animals, which we know that they actually did based on, on what we see in Sefer Shmuel, but also there's a huge risk for that, which is that you come to, to worship idols and use those altars for another purpose. And so here we're saying, okay, we're not going to. Instead of having satellite altars, what we're going to do is introduce the concept of slaughtering an animal for meat consumption in a way that it does not have any connection to worship of God and to what is happening in the temple. And in fact, that's the exact position the Rabbi Shmuel takes in the Sefer that we mentioned earlier. Right. He says that uh, what, what this whole in, this whole section of the Torah now in our Parsha is teaching us is that until this point, Basar bamibar, that eating meat out of a craving was a sore was forbidden to Israel in the desert and that it only became permitted to them once they arrived in the land of Israel. The idea that you can slaughter an animal for the sole purpose of eating it, because you want to eat it, is only introduced once they actually enter the land of Israel. And so that's the role that this section is playing. But So that's the first level, I think, of of structure and textual analysis, etc. But I think that it's also important to look more carefully at some of the linguistic details of this section of the Torah. And I want to do that through the lens of Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, who is another rabbi who's quoted in the same Midrash. And so he says, That this text, this section of verses, comes to teach us derech eretz, the proper way to behave. And what is that? That a person should not eat meat unless he or she craves it. So, according to Rabbi Lazar Benazaria, why does why do these psukim focus on this idea of when your soul desires it, when you have a craving for this meat, to teach you that it's only appropriate to eat the meat if you're actually craving it, right? You don't just eat it stam because it's there; you eat it because you actually have a craving for it. And then he continues with a yachl, with a two yachols and Talmud lomars, right? You could suggest yachol. That you could just go to, you're craving meat, so you go to the shuk, you go to the market, and you buy some. But he says, Tamul lomar, that the text says you may slaughter from any of your cattle or your sheep. Right? The text says, right? That you have to slaughter it from your cattle, your sheep. You don't just get to go to the market. And so he says, actually, he expands this to, you cannot eat meat until you actually own cattle or sheep. So it seems like what he is saying here is if you crave meat, but you don't actually own one of the animals that you want to eat, the cattle or the sheep, right? Because this is still applying to animals that could have been slaughtered in the in the if you don't own any of those animals, tough. It seems like he's saying, you don't get to eat that meat, which I think Taking, you could say, what? How does that make sense? But what's that really saying? Until you have a personal relationship, not with that animal necessarily. I don't want to over-romanticize it. Your cow doesn't have to be your best friend. But until you have a, some kind of a relationship with that animal, meaning until you understand what it means to own an animal, to feed an animal, to raise an animal, to lose an animal when you slaughter it, until you have that experience, you can't eat that meat. It's only once you own the animal that you can. And then he also says, by the way, that the second yachl is that you could slaughter all of your sheep and all of your cattle. But he says, no, but the text says mitz'oncha, right, from your cattle, which implies you can slaughter something from your animals, but you can't slaughter all of your animals. And so I think that this opinion of Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah is a really important opinion to help round out this conversation about meat consumption. Because though the verses certainly imply it, that when you enter the land of Israel and you crave some meat, here's how to do it, it doesn't spell out quite explicitly what Rabbi Elazar ben Azari wants to spell out, which is, this is not just coming to expand the laws of meat consumption, but also to make sure that they remain narrow as well and to make sure that this doesn't just become a free-for-all. This doesn't just become a McDonald's drive-through, so to speak, that meat is only consumed once the person craves it. And once the person owns the animal is actually able to experience, to internalize, to understand deeply what it means to eat meat. Now, you're probably, some of you might be rolling your eyes because you know I'm a vegetarian and so you would expect this. So setting that aside, I'm not here to be preaching vegetarianism, but I do think, even though I think it's a wonderful way to live, but that's a different story. Um, But I do think that regardless of what your meat consumption practice is, this is teaching us a level of intentionality and a level of connection to this process that we simply don't have today. We know that we have tremendous access to meat first of all. And that people, some people eat meat daily or a few times a week, which is totally not what's implied here. And I think in these verses and in Rabbi Elazar Ben-Azaria's understanding, but also that we're so distanced from that process. I'm sure we all know, and if not ourselves, people who won't eat chicken if it's on the bone, because then it looks too real or kids whose day schools took them to the, you know, the kosher slaughterhouse or the kosher meat plant. I don't know why schools do this. I definitely remember my trip to that in third grade and the, you know, the children, Realize what's happening and then they become vegetarian. Right. So we lose that connection. We see that when you do have that connection, it really alters your approach, your relationship to meat consumption. And it transforms it and makes it something so much different than what you actually experience. Now, I, I'm not, you know, I, I, it's not practical to say, oh, so we should all become farmers only eat meat if we know the animal or witness the slaughter. But I do think we can still take some of these lessons with us, which is to remember that eating meat is not some mindless activity that we do just out of routine or, um, or something that we should overindulge in, but it's really something that and originally required a level of intentionality, um, required an actual sacrifice, not sacrifice to God, but a personal sacrifice um, in order to do it. And then especially in our world today, when we know that the meat consumption is contributing to, to global warming and to climate change and to all these negative things and to abusive animals, that it behooves us, ha <laughs> ha pun intended, um, but it behooves us to 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 think about how is my practice, of consuming animals, what part of my practice is reflected in these texts and what part is not, and how can I infuse my meat consumption practices with a level of intentionality that I don't have right now. Shabbat shalom.